on that Ubaldi report, the first part was me just getting the process going again. But for a while, we're providing fact, not fiction, with Ubaldi reports on the issues that are affecting you nationally and internationally. And today, the whole premise of today's TikTok is to talk about the president's State of the Union address when he addresses the country tonight. Now, he'll address the country tonight from at 9 Eastern time, 9 Eastern time, 6 Pacific time. And the governor of Iowa will give the Republican rebuttal. And then I'm not sure if it's either after his speak or after. I'm guessing it's after the Republican rebuttal that Toshib Tlaib, the progressive socialist member of the Democratic Party, she's going to give her own rebuttal to President Biden's address. Is that a good thing? No, it's not. That's just it's basically throwing your party under the bus. It's not really that good. So I don't know why they're doing it. I don't even know why Nancy Pelosi, this Democratic Speaker of the House, and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer are allowing that. It's just it it boggles the mind. I don't know why they do that. Okay, okay. So usually the rebuttal is like a retort to whatever the president has to say. The rebuttal has always been whoever's in the White House from one party. Yeah. Like when Donald Trump was president, yeah. the Democrats, whoever they chose, mm-hmm. gives the rebuttal. Yeah. But this time, you're having a member of your own party give the rebuttal. That's weird. It's has that has never, never. I don't remember that ever happening. Isn't that show a divide within a Democratic Party if well, they're doing something a, like that? This shows a huge divide between the moderates. Now, there was a moderate Democratic congressman from, I think, New Jersey who was really critical. It's basically, I think the analogy he used is like keying your own car. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and that just doesn't make sense. I just think it's a bad optic. Now, the, the question goes into what will Joe Biden say? Yeah, nothing but positive things because that's that's what they do. They're gonna. I think they're gonna shove a lot of. Can I curse on this podcast? Yeah, just, just just keep going. Can you, can we just like shovel? They're just gonna shove a lot of shit down our throat, trying to expect us. To well, like, oh yeah, he's doing a great job. Well, it's not. But just, he's not. It's not just. He's gonna highlight positive things. Now, typically, that's what they do. They highlight the positive nature of what's going on in the economy or the country on the foreign policy and domestic agenda arena, but they also highlight what their policy proposals to move forward. Now, there's three schools of thought. Now, Victor Davis Hanson from the Hoover Institute alluded to this. There's going to be three doors, door one, door two, and door three. Door one is he doubles down on what they're currently doing. Mm -hmm. Door number two is some Democrats want President Biden to go after the Republicans really just really go at it with the Republicans. What have we done? Yeah, but okay, but that's their their angle to really challenge them. That now door number three is do a total one eighty and govern like he said he was going to govern as mm-hmm. a moderate. That means with the crisis in Ukraine and energy prices spiking, that means he has to scrap his alternative Green New Deal philosophy and policies and start ramping up U.S. energy production in the United States. And maybe is that why there is a speaker on the uh, on his own party uh, rebuttaling his... Uh, it could be. I don't, like, I'm, it you know, could be. But maybe he's just giving them that opportunity just because he's, look, 
I'm going to open up the Keystone Pipeline again. I'm going to I'm going to open up the leases on federal land for oil. Hey, guess what? I'll let you say something bad about me. No, but it. see, the thing is, Jen Psaki was on Fox News, and she was interviewed by Dana Perino. And they're still doubling down. They want to move away from fossil fuels. Now, she, Jen Psaki said in a press conference that Europe pays a higher price for energy than they did a year or two years ago. Mm -hmm. So she wants the European countries to, this may be a time for you to move away from fossil fuels. Yeah. Now, so that's telling me that they're not going to move away from that. But what she doesn't say, Europe is utilizes alternative energy with wind and solar far more than the United States does. Yeah. The problem is they have an energy shortage because last summer it wasn't as windy in Europe as it was in previous years. So that means they get less energy from windmills. Mm -hmm. And I've had people who have lived in Europe for a number of years. Europe tends to be cloudy a lot of times during the year. Yeah. So that means you're not getting as much from the sun. So they have to get their energy shortfall from somewhere. That's why they struck deals with Vladimir Putin and Russia to get their the rest of their energy and natural gas from Russia. Now, that's something that Donald Trump was trying to admonish the Europeans. You want, especially Germany, you want us to protect you from Russia. Mm -hmm. But yet at the same time, you don't spend 2% on your G GDP on defense like you're supposed to. Yeah. And then second of all, you buy the, the energy from the country you want us to protect you from. So now Europe is starting to rethink that. But the next country that has the, lar the largest source of natural gas is the United States. And President Trump is saying, we can sell, send you all, sell you all the liquefied natural gas that you want. Yeah. But for some reason, the Democratic Party is captivated to that progressive left. And I don't see Joe Biden even tonight saying we're going to open the energy spigot. So uh, going in, are we going to pivot in over to Ukraine about all this, or are we just still stuck on this? This is like the pre-game. I guess we're pre-gaming for the— What we're going to do is what's, what is President Biden going to talk about? Tonight he's going to talk about—I <laughs> mean, really, he'll he's talk gonna, about— He's going to talk about jobs numbers going up. Yeah, okay, but first of all, he's going to talk Unemployment about, going down, he'll right? say, Okay, first of all, he's going to talk about Ukraine is the biggest 800-pound gorilla in the room. He'll talk about that. He's going to praise— Zelensky, the, the prime minister or president of Ukraine. So he's going to do that. Can we stop for one second? Who would you rather have right now, Zelensky or Biden as president? Zelensky. Easily. <laughs> <laughs> Lesser of two evils here. <laughs> okay, but we got a little side commentary. Going okay, here. but either way, this is what he's going to talk about. The, the valor of the Ukrainian people. He's going to talk about Zelensky, and they're going to have a standing ovation like they did when he spoke in front of the European Parliament. Uh -huh. Then he's going to talk about jobs being created. There was the greatest GP, GDP was up 5% last year. He'll talk about, then he'll mention his Supreme Court nominee, who's going to be a reflection of the American public. He'll throw some of the race issues out. He's going to make a subtle dib. I don't know if it's going to be openly, but he's going to make a subtle jab at Donald Trump. Okay. That could come from a variety of sources, but it could come from when they talk about the voting rights bill that they want to pass that stalled in the Senate. Mm -hmm. So he could put a dig about how Trump is and the Republicans want to be more authoritative. He may not openly say Republicans, but you vainly source it's going to be aimed at the Republican. 
Then he's going to, Jen Psaki said he's going to talk about inflation, how he's going to do different things. He wants proposals from the, the Congress on how to reduce inflation by various pieces of legislation that he'll mention. Mm-hmm. So my guess is he's going to still push his Build Back Better agenda. This is a chance to sell it to the American people. But right now, Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema aren't buying it. And Joe Manchin said this last year before the Ukraine uh, summit, before the Ukraine crisis, that you don't know what's going to happen. There could be a recession. There could be anything else. There could be another variant of the uh, the coronavirus. And there could be a, a crisis that we're going to need to spend resources. And he was right on that. So now we're at this thing with Ukraine. So that's the things he's going to talk about. Things he's not you – know, okay, then he's also going to mention inflation, which we knew about that. The things he's not going to talk about is immigration on the border. I can't imagine him delving into that. No. He's going to stay away from crime except in the vein that we need to do gun control to prevent crime. Okay. But I don't think he's going to go to the root causes of what is going on there. I I just don't. Mm -hmm. So that's it. So now – and there's going to be – it's not going to be like it was when Trump was there or even past speeches where you have guests out of the audience because everybody's not going to be there. The other thing he's going to talk about, we beat COVID. And for the, it's ironic that nobody's going to be masked up because they removed the mask restriction today. I think he's going to – so the federal mask mandate has been – I think so. But All right. I don't have to wear a mask t- at work anymore. But it's a, he's going to talk about – but it's ironic – that the CDC says something different. He's supposed to follow the science. Why all of a sudden on March 1st, all these things are lifted now? Yeah, because uh, like I said, a couple, I think I said it almost every podcast up until this one, that he's going to pound his chest saying, we defeated COVID. We did it. Last Democrats t- defeated. But see, the last time he did that was in July, and on J- July 4th, he said, we defeated COVID. And what happened? You had a variant of the Delta variant of the coronavirus came out. Mm -hmm. So it's, but see, but then the president's going to have some headwinds coming at him. He gives his state of the union address today, but then on Friday, the unemployment report comes out. Well, won't they just rig it like they did the last month? But but, but even still, okay, the unemployment report comes out. Then the following Thursday of next week, the um, labor department, I believe, will start to release the consumer price index. That shows where the inflation is for the month of February, but also shows where the inflation is from February of 2021 to February of 2022. The last time that report came out, it went up a full percentage point in January, and inflation jumped 7.5% from a year ago. Mm-hmm. Fuel prices spiking through much of February. Now, fuel and food prices are not really calculated in inflation, for the simple reason they're too volatile, but they impact everything else. So if fuel prices rise precipitously, mm-hmm. if you're a farmer and it takes more to cultivate, cost you more to cultivate your crops and get your crops to market, yeah. you got to roll that cost onto the next level of the food chain and depth through the supply chain all the way till you get to market. And many retailers are raising their prices. Starbucks is raising their prices. Amazon is raising its price on Amazon Prime, if you have Amazon Prime. So everybody, like rent, I was coming on here to your place to do the pod, do this radio show or podcast, and rent is considerably went up in 
Tampa. Mm-hmm. So rent's gone up. Used cars have gone up. New cars have gone up. I can get you a really inexpensive rent. I don't know if you're going to like the area, but But I I can like. Okay, I work at a restaurant. Everybody here is they talk about Ukraine in the vein of energy prices are going up, but they're worried about higher food prices. Mm -hmm. They're worried about higher rent costs. And what you said is true. People are having to live in questionable areas, but now they're having to commute to work. That means they're going to be paying more in fuel costs yeah. because gas prices have gone up considerably. With this inflation going on and with everything increasing when it comes to, say, uh, rent and the uh, cost of living in uh, the area, is that going to come maybe like shake the fleas kind of thing, like where it might move people that are like in a lower kind of income setting or area, get them pushed out? put people that are thrifty and want to save into those neighborhoods and build them up. It could be a lot of things, but either way, if you're making less than 100000 a year, you're paying a higher cost for everything. So everybody's feeling it. And this isn't going away anytime soon. So it's just how the president deals with it. And I think a lot of it, take the supply chain disruption. Have we heard from Pete Buttigieg? He's the Secretary of Transportation. I don't think we heard it from Pete Buttigieg when it was in his haste. So okay, but let's why look, would we hear from yeah, him now? But let's look at this way. You haven't heard from Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. You haven't hear, heard from the Labor Secretary. Okay. You haven't heard from the Department, the Secretary of Energy. The last time she spoke, she put her foot in her mouth when the question was asked, or just a basic question, is when they were trying to open up the this, this Strategic Petroleum Reserve, Yeah. how many gallons of... How many barrels of oil a day does America consume? And she didn't know. She said, I have to get back with you. (laughs) You're the energy secretary, and you don't know those basic questions. When it comes to the coronavirus, where is Javier Bracera? He's a guy that has no experience. He's a lawyer. He has no medical experience at all. And he's supposed to coordinate all the levels of the medical establishment for the federal government. You hear Dr. Fauci, the NIH, and CDC but you never hear anything from the person who's supposed to coordinate all that. Mm-hmm. Where is that person? The only time you've heard from them, and when is this confirmation? Over a year ago. So these are challenges that the American people want. And you said a lot of people aren't going to be at the State of the Union. No, it's, it's just going to be the members of the Congress, both the Senate and the House. There'll be the cabinet secretaries, the members of the senior members of the military, the Joint Chiefs the Supreme Court, they're not going to have any guests in the audience. Possible to say that a lot of people are distancing themselves from the this administration, or is it just like maybe he put the invite out there? And no, he, no, they and, just, because, okay. of the, because of the restrictions to get to the Capitol, they have a the security fence. They're only those who are members, like I just said, the members of the federal government in whatever capacity. You're not going to have any guests show up. So how much longer until we get tanks and rockets down the down Main Street in front You're of You're going to have the National Guard providing security with the fence, so we'll have to see. But it's we're in a weird predicament. So the president is facing, I don't remember, and I was talking with a friend today. I was you know a kid, a very little kid. I don't remember, and I obviously wasn't paying attention because I was in elementary school when Johnson or Lyndon Johnson or Richard Nixon or even Jimmy Carter. But right now, the president is facing a major foreign policy crisis with Ukraine. Mm -hmm. He's facing a major economic crisis with inflation that is 
hollowing out America's family budget. Yeah, their wages have gone up, and it's artificially gone up because employers have to pay more to retain those workers. Yeah. So that's adding into inflation. Then you've got the problem on the southern border. Well over 2 million, almost 3 million illegals have come through, mm-hmm. and they're just being released throughout the country. Then you have severe supply chain disruption, and what people aren't focusing on, come July, the, and I've mentioned this many times, the Longshoremen Union contract is up. And every time their contract is up, they went on strike. So they're, here they know there's supply chain disruption. They're, they're fighting, trying to keep valuable labor. We're still 3 million jobs short of where we were prior to the coronavirus in February 2020. Mm-hmm. So the president can tout low economic, um, unemployment, which he will do. Yeah, He will tout about the jobs that were created. But what he doesn't say is when the economy was completely shut down, mm-hmm. you have nowhere but to go but up. Now, Nancy Pelosi was interviewed, and she said the reason we have high inflation is because we got low unemployment. But the question that should have been asked, well, that's interesting. When Donald Trump was president prior to the coronavirus, unemployment was 3.5%. And we had 3 million more jobs, and there wasn't any, no one even talked about inflation. Mm-hmm. So then the other um, aspect to drop this month is I can't remember when, but sometime this month, the Federal Reserve meets. And they're going to raise interest rates. And there's speculation from many financial analysts at Morgan Stanley, Chase, and all some of the banks that Jerome Powell at the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates seven times this year. But he's definitely going to raise it this month, Okay. whether it's a half a percent or whether it's a full percentage point. What he's going to do is trying to tighten up the money supply. Yeah. So that makes it more expensive for business to get capital loans more expensive for consumers to get loans to buy whatever they need to buy. Homes is probably their biggest expenditure. Mm-hmm. And what does that do to the economy? What kind of stalls are? It'll slow it down. It depends where we're at. Mm-hmm. And then you have the energy sector with the Ukraine crisis. We still get energy from Russia. So they're trying to put all these sanctions on Russia, but with by not stopping energy from Russia, he gets like $100 million a day goes to Vladimir Putin. Prior to the Biden administration, was the Trump administration buying oil from Russia as well? We were all doing that. Because it was so low when we were producing our own energy, I would have to go back and they were buying it for years. The only thing I can speculate, and this is mere speculation, they did it to keep, to be, to try to get democratic institutions in Russia. Mm -hmm. But we bought more now than we did prior to that yeah but because of what's going on with vladimir putin they should have shut that down now it's interesting that energy prices spiked and what was the answer from joe biden instead of increasing energy production here creating jobs in america he was asking opec namely saudi arabia who leads the opec and other countries and including vladimir putin to pump more oil so you're against energy production in your own country, mm-hmm. but you want other countries to increase their production to drive down the cost of energy. So unless they stop energy supplies coming from Russia, that's their biggest source of income. Think about $100 million, $100 million a day yeah. we give them. But to do that, it would impact American energy prices, but we need to 
really ramp up energy production, I would think the president could change that by putting a national emergency saying we will ramp up energy companies. You need to start producing energy, but also tell the Federal Reserve and the SEC and the financial institution, you need to abolish these restrictions of loans to the energy sector, which they're doing now. Is he going to talk about fair and balanced elections during Oh, this? yeah, most <laughs> definitely. He's going to do things that are going to put a dig to the Republicans. Okay. He may not openly be critical or say Donald Trump's name, and I doubt he'll do that, but he'll put a, a, such a strong vein approach that this is who he's mentioning. And it's completely wrong because the Constitution forbids the nationalization of election rules. So Article 2 in the Constitution states that all election rules are governed by the individual states. Yeah. That's why when Texas tried to sue other states for how they wrote their election laws in 2020, the Supreme Court said you have no right to challenge another state's how they write their rules. Mm-hmm. And remember he said that Georgia was akin to Jim Crow when it comes to ele- voting laws? Yeah. But if you read the, the Georgia voting law, which I did, New York and Delaware have far more restrictive voting rights than Georgia. So mm-hmm. is Delaware, the home state of Joe Biden, racist, Jim Crow? If it was, okay, if it came up after, if it came up after what has been going on, yes, because the media would have looked at it and pounced on it like they did everything else. It's the media that's driving this narrative when it comes to this is Jim Crow, this is racist, and then the politicians are just the ones that are hopping on no. the backs of it, and they're going to write it. No, but you're going to get a point. The media, we don't have an independent media in this country, and no. I'll be put out this, and I'll be, I don't care what anybody says, we do not have an independent media. Mm-hmm. If you go by, because I wrote an article about two years ago about media bias, and I talked to a friend who studies this, who follows that this, this is his career, and I go, is there like a Hippocratic oath that doctors have, but the media has when it comes to reporting? He goes, yes. It's called the Society for Professional Journalists, and they have an ethics code, and it's basically a bullet point. Mm-hmm. And the first thing it says, you got to stand by the accuracy of your reporting. When it comes to sources, you can, if you're going to protect sources, you have to have a reason to protect, but there's certain requirements. You have to check, do they have a hidden bias? Mm-hmm. Are they trying to do something? But they didn't do that. They ran against every salacious thing because it went against Donald Trump. Remember what they did to Kavanaugh. And it says there in Society for the Ethics Code, it says that you must protect the victim. But you also must protect the person being accused before he's been formally charged. And then in the fourth section of that ethics code, it says you must be impartial. You must be independent. The media is not independent. Mm -hmm. Take a look at CNN and MSN. They're totally one side for the Democrats. Now, there are elements on Fox like Rachel Maddow, excuse me, um, Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson. You have Jesse Waters. You have... um, Sean Hannity, but Fox also separates the opinion news from the journal, the, the news division. That's why I follow Brett Baer. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he comes politically. I don't know where he stands from the different political parties, but he doesn't put his bias. He just actually reports the news. So if one person says one thing, he would always say the other side says this. Yeah. And he, he's really a good journalist. But when they do, 
like when they do the State of the Union address, they'll have their analysis, but the analysis portion is done by the news division, not the opinion side. Mm-hmm. But the media cover. Look at the thing they did to Trump. I want him them to cover Trump fairly. Yeah. But remember last year when they accused Trump of allowing Russian to put bounties on Americans Marines to be killed by the Taliban. Yeah. There was no evidence to back, and then they came back this last March. That was false. There was no evidence to support that. Yeah. How many things did they report that were false? But they still ran with, look at the whole Russian collusion narrative. Two news organizations, the Washington Post and New York Times, got Pulitzer Prizes for that, those stories. And to me, the Pulitzer Prize is a worthless award now because they didn't turn in their, their Pulitzer Prize. Only the Washington Post at least made a retraction saying, I guess we were wrong, but they never turned back their Pulitzer Prize. So to me, the Pulitzer Prize is a worthless award. Yeah. So I didn't want to go into, so you had all this stuff going on between Russia and Ukraine, and you seem to have like cartoons or pictures, people have an idea that Trump is behind Russia when it comes to attacking Ukraine. Why? The only thing I can speculate, this is all speculation, is Trump routinely calls Putin a smart man. Okay. And they, they didn't ever openly condemn him. Oh, okay. But what I would say is go to the rhetoric of Donald Trump. No, excuse me. Take away the rhetoric of Donald Trump and go to his policies. Trump put put harsher sanctions on Russia than Obama did. Mm-hmm. Trump openly sold weapons, the Javelin weapon systems that those are anti-tank weapons and Stinger missiles that are being utilized now. Mm-hmm. Then Trump killed over 200 Russian mercenaries in Syria. Okay. Go to the rhetoric of Joe Biden and Barack Obama. They talk tough, but Biden, I mean, excuse me, Putin went into Crimea. Mm-hmm. Putin went into Syria. Look at Joe Biden. He talked I during the campaign. I think it was 2019 or 2020. He said, Putin doesn't want me as president because he knows I'm the only one who's go toe-to-toe with him. Okay, now look at this. Look what he's done. Hey, he put a lot of sanctions on him. He, he didn't put the sanctions on until lately, or then he made the comment, these aren't going to stop him from going in when his administration said otherwise. And he said, let's give it a month before we see. He slow-walked the javelin and weapon systems, but he let $80 billion of weapon systems back for the Taliban. Yeah. But so one was getting vilified, but how come the then we don't know this is another sidebar. I mean, what was Hunter Biden's relationship with uh, Burisma Mm -hmm. and all the corruption that goes on in Ukraine that Hunter Biden enriched Hunter Biden that we now know Joe Biden knew more about his son's business dealings. So you can go by what someone says openly, but I always like to follow about what their policy is. Yeah. And if you go by Trump's book. The art of the deal. He never wanted to make someone look bad openly, but he. But the policies that he implemented were far tougher. How come Putin didn't move between 2017 and 2020? Putin was quiet. China was quiet. North Korea was quiet. Iran was quiet. Yeah. <laughs> because the one thing Trump did, if you take the rhetoric away, Trump. What Trump was. 
not irrational, but he was unpredictable. And this is not just coming from me. This is coming from a lot of foreign affairs analysts overseas that said the Chinese, the Russians, and the Iranians never knew what Trump would do next. Uh So if you don't know, and this is what Sun Tzu said in The um, Art of War, he's that Chinese philosopher general that every military and national security strategist follows, is be unpredictable. If you're unpredictable, is your enemy really going to march when they don't know what you're going to do? No. And remember what Trump did in the Middle East. He killed al-Baghdadi. He killed the biggest one he killed is Qasem Soleimani, the um, Iranian Qud Force leader who has over a thousand Americans lives on his hands, dead American lives. Uh He took them out and everybody said it would start a war. It didn't. He got the Israelis and the Arabs together. Yeah. He got peace deals with a lot of the Arab states with Israel. So... People need to look beyond the rhetoric and look at policy. Yeah. And if you look at the policies of the Obama administration, which many of those leaders are now running the foreign policy of Joe Biden. And remember, Joe Biden came into office as the grownups are now in charge. He has all this foreign policy experience. And what have we seen? We've seen the crisis at the southern border. We saw the debacle of American forces pulling out of Afghanistan. And now we're seeing this. Yeah. And we're seeing Europe leading with America following, almost like Obama was, we'll follow from behind. Yeah. We're America. We lead. Yeah. Others follow us in consultation with those leaders, but they follow us. Look at George Bush Sr. during the Gulf War. He led from the front. Mm-hmm. Even Bill Clinton, to a degree, led when he needed to lead. Yeah. This president is taking the opposite approach. And it's just, it's making matters worse. So now we don't know what Putin's going to do. And it seems like from Darius, uh, foreign leaders and Republican and Democratic um, administration officials, that they think that Putin is erratic. He's not, he's calculating cold, but he's acting in an erratic manner. So we don't know where this is going, and it's getting worse when that convoy of Russian forces coming out of Belarus is heading to Kiev. And if they surround him, is Putin going to do the same thing which he did in Chechnya when he surrounded Grozny and just bombed the crap out of that city that killed thousands? Now, nobody knew about it. Very few people reported about it, Mm -hmm. but it happened. Is he going to do the same thing here? I think it's going to be a little bit different. We don't know. All right, so, John, why don't you go ahead and tell them where they can get a hold of us. You can get a hold of us. First of all, I'm on TikTok. Just go to Ubaldi Reports on TikTok. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Ubaldi Reports. You can check us, or you can send me an email at UbaldiReports at gmail.com. And we would like to hear from you because we want to keep doing this. We're going to do this again tomorrow just to wrap up and give a post-State of the Union analysis, and we'll just keep going from there. All right. And we'll get more live stream going here for everybody. Well, we're uh, going to fix this. We're definitely going to fix this. And we will talk to you then. All right. So keep following Ubali Reports and let your friends and family know about Ubali Reports. Till next time, keep listening to Ubali Reports. Mm-hmm.